Hey friends, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. I'm Rob Kosberg, and every week I show you how to use a best-selling book to grow your income and your impact. And if you're interested in having your own best-selling book, I recorded a short video explaining our trademarked process at beginmybook.com. All right. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm Rob Kosberg, and I have two amazing guests for our Publish, Promote, Profit podcast today. I have uh, Hernan Vasquez and Jeremiah Smith. They are partners in uh, Scale Driven, which is a uh, incredible digital marketing agency. We're going to spend a good bit of time talking about book funnels. Hernan is a direct response expert. Uh, he manages millions of dollars in profitable social media ad spend every single month. He's built several uh, amazing digital agencies, worked with uh, some of the greats in our industry, Frank Kern, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, Agora Publishing. I mean, that's like the A-list entrepreneurs uh, that he has worked with to do their digital marketing, uh, run their book funnels, etc. Uh, Jeremiah is uh, partnered with Ernan, 25 years of marketing and sales experience, which is hard to believe because, you know, he looks so much younger than me, and I'm sure he is. Since 2008, I'm a little bit. <laughs> he's led several marketing initiatives, which have resulted in millions of dollars in sales volume for both digital companies as well as brick and mortar businesses. So guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for being a part of, uh, you know, my new uh, book funnel secrets book that will be coming out probably in four to six months. So great. Uh, so great to, uh, to spend some time with you both. That's That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having us. Super excited for that. Awesome. And uh, Aaron's coming in from Buenos Aires and, uh, and Jeremiah is from North, Northern California and, I've, of course, in beautiful St. Augustine, Florida. So uh, very, very cool. We're, we've got, uh, you know, a bit of the world here covered uh, between the mm -hmm. three of us. So love it. Let's dive right in. And I want to make this free flowing because I know you have a you both have a ton of experience uh, both present experience in running book funnels for people, as well as past experience uh, for you know some of the amazing people that you've worked with. So let's talk about the past first. You know, Tony, Dean, uh, Grant, Agora. Talk to me about you know a general experience of of what you had with those guys and the book funnels they ran and the results that they got from their book funnels. And you can start you know anywhere you like there, and either one of you, and then we'll kind of go you know dive in a little deeper from there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think that all of these big names they understand the the power of having one or several. Actually, for for Grant Cardone, we run. At any given point, anywhere between three to five book funnels in at the same time, right? Wow. With his many books that he has, and, did not and they know would that. Target. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So they definitely understand the value and the power that that this mechanism of acquiring customers and then upselling them into something higher ticket can have for their business. So you know, when I was working with with Grant Cardone, I worked with him for a, a year and a half. I helped him with build his agency and one of the and his agency was built, you know, on the backbone of, of one of, of one of his many book funnels, you know. So he was able to, we were able to run advertising, social media advertising for the most part for one or two of his book funnels. And then, you know, the sales guys will just reach out to everyone that that would come through that book funnel. And you that's how that, we was got that cold outreach. Was that just outbound dialing that they they did? They did a little bit of outbound dialing, but mostly we were working with warm leads and warm buyers, like okay. people that have gone through any of Grant's programs. 
uh, for the most part, and also retargeting on Facebook ads. That was a big deal as well. You know, and so it was mostly since he has, since he has established brand, we didn't necessarily have the, the need to spend a lot of budget on cold audiences, right? Prospecting and whatnot. So we were actually working on his book buyers and pretty much everyone that has bought from him. And that allowed us to go from, I think we started with 30 clients. Uh, this was pre-pandemic. So we started at 30 clients and we ended up over with over 250 agency clients in the span of eight months. Wow. Something like wow. that. Yeah. The, the, the growth was super, super big and it was built as a way of monetizing all of these buyers that he was, he was getting through the book. Another example of that. So he was, he was all about free plus shipping books, right? Like we know that, that model, the free plus shipping methodology. But then what I tested when I was uh, working with Frank Kern, I was his main uh, CMO marketing guy slash main media buyer. And, uh, and at that point he was, he was selling his book convert 2.0. Yeah. And mind you, this was a book, this was a digital copy. So it wasn't a free plus shipping book, but it was a digital copy of the book. And uh, we saw kind of the same results. I understand why people would do the free plus shipping when you charge a little bit more versus the digital copy. The digital copy is just easier, you know, just send the, the digital copy and whatnot. No fulfillment cost. I no mean, fulfillment, yeah. yeah. No book costs and whatnot and no delay on, on getting the book and yeah. whatnot. So I think there's value on both of them, right? But uh, we didn't see a lot of drop-off in conversions. We actually had to charge a little bit less because it was a, you know, it was a digital copy, but he used that to build uh, his continuity program. And that point was the network. That was a $400 a month continuity program. He got to- I was in it. <laughs> oh, you were in it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, th I think <laughs> everyone, I know, yeah, everyone I know was, was in that program and it was built on, you know, as an upsell. He had an upsell to try that, yep. that, uh, yep. that program. And then on the back end, it was all about selling that continuity program with different, with different, you know, hooks and angles. And uh, I think that at its peak, it had anywhere between 1,200 to 1,500 paying members. Yeah. You know, so if yeah. you do the math, that's, that's quite half, a chunk of change a that's coming. Bucks a month. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Just from that continuity program alone. So I think that, that helping these guys to launch acquisition funnels, like actually showing you how they can afford to advertise because they never stop advertising at all, right? How they can afford to keep on advertising, how they can afford to keep on acquiring customers because they build this machine, uh, you know, in the back of book funnels. So I think that the, they prove the point that they work. Yeah. You know, love it. Jeremiah's uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. And um, I think one of the main things, too, with the book funnels that's also important to mention is uh, the back end process uh, as far as follow up. Too often, one of the things that we see is a lack of follow up or a lack of back end offers with the book funnels. And whether you're going to be selling a continuity program, like in this example, or you're going to have a sales team uh, on the back end, I think it's important to make sure that a follow up process is also in place so a book funnel can perform that much better and use it as a um, customer acquisition uh, system. Love mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Love it. Um, yeah. I do want to dive into like some of the stuff you're seeing right now, what's fresh right now, but maybe one more kind of general question about these guys, about Tony, Dean Graziosi, Grant Cardone, Frank Kern is one thing that I do, and, and I'll be offering it as a bonus in my next book funnel is every time I see a book funnel, 
I go through it and I buy everything. So, and I record everything and I keep, I have an entire, you know, Vimeo stock of all of that stuff. And so I've been through, I bought Convert 2.0 two or three times, you know, for his various offers. Cause you know, he keeps, you know, Frank keeps compiling them in different ways and, yeah. and reusing them. And I went through Grant Cardone's, one of his book funnels. I don't remember which one, but it was very unique in that the only upsell was like this $10,000 thing, which I thought mm. was, and I didn't buy that, but it, it just seemed so, I, I don't know if you recall that. I'm sharing this, this story because what I'd like to hear from you is what kind of unique things have you seen mm. work with book funnels? Because like that selling that $10,000 thing, that was his only upsell. Did that actually work? Like, I, I always wondered, like, did that dude make any sales of 10000 Yeah. It's a book from, like, 5 bucks to $10,000. I was like, holy crap. And it was like, push a button and put your credit card in. So, right, so right, talk to me right. about the uniqueness. What, Like, tell me about that. And was there anything else unique that you saw that was, like, you know, maybe worth talking through? Yeah. I think one sure. of the main unique things, and then I'll let Arnon chime him in, but with what you mentioned, Rob, is that Grant has the power of his brand behind yeah. him, yeah. which is why he can offer a book for five, six, seven dollars right. and then a ten thousand dollar upsell. Right. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. One of the tests because like there's always like some tests running, right? That's that's yeah. why I think it's a good move, you know, to go through the book funnel several times, right? Yeah. As, yeah. as you see the ad boom, just go through that because yeah. there might be some additional stuff on the back end. So one of the things that we did test it with Frank that worked really well was to offer a third upsell for $997. Interesting. So the third upsell, so, you know, you have the proverbial, you know, $5, $6 book, then you have an, an order bump for 30, 40, 50 bucks. And then you have maybe an upsell for 197, downsell for three payments, 297, those yeah. type of price points. But we did test it, a $997 third upsell. We only got, I think it was a half of a percentage take rate on that third upsell, right? It was really low if you compare it with like 7 to 10% on the other upsells, right. but it increased the average card value like crazy. Really? Right? That, that person- yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that one person, maybe you have, I don't know, 10,000 book buyers, maybe one yeah. or two people will go ahead yeah. and get that $10,000 offer. Boom. Now you can acquire as many customers as you want. Right. So I think right. it's a matter of, I think it's a matter of, of, and I know for a fact that that third app sell increased the average card value like by a hundred bucks wow. per buyer. So now you can go back and acquire a lot more customers. So I think that made it, it makes sense in my mind why he would offer a $10,000 offer or package or product right there. Yeah. So. Now I, I agree with what you said, Jeremiah. I mean, I, you know, I, being Grant Cardone, being Frank Kern, it does give you the leeway to do that kind of thing. But did it work, Ernan? Um, did, I mean, did it like, did he actually make sales from that? Do you remember? He got, he got a couple. Yeah, yeah, he got a couple from time to time, you know. He got a couple from time to time. It was crazy. And uh, But he did on that $10,000 offer. But then he would try, you know, he would try that. We would run that test for like a week or so. Yeah, yeah try something and new. Then, and then, you know, and some other stuff. But I, yeah, he got a couple sales. Like he actually got a couple sales. And, yeah. uh, and the same with the $997 offer. So Incredible. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it was, inc- it was amazing. It. Awesome. Well, let, let's pivot a little if we can. I want to talk about like what's working right now. Uh, you guys are running traffic to book funnels right now on Facebook, uh, Instagram as well, I assume. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make 
YouTube traffic work with book funnels. I've not seen anybody do that because the cost of acquisition is so high. But you guys are making it work right now. And obviously, we want to protect the privacy of your clients and that sort of thing. Can you talk about like what industries right now you're seeing it work in? And just give me like, if you have a couple of case studies, I'd love to hear a little bit about it and, and some details about what's working right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So most of the stuff that we do, if not all of the stuff that we do is business to business related, right? Okay. So we target other entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, so it's everything is B2B, which is funny when people say that you cannot target B2B on social, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and that's not the case. So there's a couple of things that we're seeing both on the traffic side of things and on the funnel side of things that are working right now. Now, I need to preface this by saying that the cost to acquire a customer has been going up, yeah. right? Yeah, across the board, uh, especially on Facebook after iOS 14, you know, last year. Uh, that's why tracking becomes really, really important. In fact, I think it was uh, Dan Kennedy speaking at uh, FHL at Funnel Hacking Live 2021. We were there. He was saying advertising costs to acquire a customer on social media, they are getting closer to real real life or real world advertising, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or cost to acquire real ad- for Dan. It's yeah. real advertising. <laughs> Correct. Like, yeah. So real life. <laughs> yeah. So it was that. And I was like, yeah, he's right. Because the cost to acquire a customer is getting, is getting higher. So of course, there's a couple of things that you can do to remediate that. One of them being charging more money, usually on the app sales. There's a roof as to how much money you can charge for a book. But on the upsells, of course, there is, you know, there's there's some price elasticity, if you would. So that so you need to acquire or you need to achieve higher average card values for you to scale your ads. Yeah. Like right now on the entrepreneurial space, and yeah, on the entrepreneurial space, you know, business owners, leaders, you know, agency owners, people that that are in the in the business uh, world, we are seeing that our cost to acquire a customer is anywhere between 50 to 60 to 70 dollars give or take not right? terrible which not is, terrible yeah which is not bad which yeah. is not bad especially when you have a book funnel performing let's say at either 80 to 90 to 100 dollars which is the average card value that we want to see we always want to have you know from the average card value we want to have a 30 percent margin so if we have a so we have a hundred dollar average card value then we want to be acquiring customers for 70 dollars or less because that allows us to scale right nice. as you know the more we scale the advertising the higher cost to acquire a customer so you know we want to we want to be there so that's what we're seeing now funny enough uh, we're running ads for this uh, one client his book was already a bestseller when he came to us right but the reality is that he has a lot of cloud in the industry, has a lot of authority in the industry. He, it's in the productivity space for business owners and team leaders and whatnot. He focuses a lot on, on helping um, insurance agents, you know, realtors and whatnot. So it's strictly B2B. And the book has such a has such a powerful positioning or framing or hook that on an industry that we would be paying anywhere between 50, 50 to 70 bucks, we're actually acquiring customer for $20. Oh my God. You know, for, for $17 even. So, wow. and mm-hmm. you know, we've been working with him for a couple of months now. We've been split testing his order bumps, his upsells and whatnot to get, to get to increase the average car value. But the average car value compared to other book funnels that we run, it's actually pretty low, but he's able to pull that off because the book, the hook, like the, the value proposition of that book is so powerful, right? right? Yes. So he went from selling, 
just a handful of books, you know, based on referrals, word of mouth and whatnot. And he speaking on stage to selling uh, a couple dozens. I think that we're on 20, 30, 40 books per day right now, you know, and then we're helping him develop the backend because again, it was all about, right. you know, the cloud that he's built on his business throughout the years. But I think that's really powerful. Like, wow. of course you can, it's more expensive. That, that guy must work. love you guys. <laughs> yeah, he's super, yeah, he's pretty happy. If he doesn't, I mean, he is missing out. I mean, because yeah. that is like, that's like printing. It's like an ATM machine. Correct. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, to acquire customers at a profit is the holy grail. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the most surprising thing to us is that again, the book positioning is so good. Right? Like the hook, the angle that he uses for the book is so powerful that people just want it, right? Yeah. So it makes yeah. our lives super easy, yeah. you know, when it yeah, comes yeah. to marketing, yeah. we need to we need to develop these back in a little bit. But I think that those two things, you know, increase cost to acquire customers and actually having really good positioning of the book in the marketplace, you know, writing good ads, which we can go in a little bit into. But I think those two things are, are pretty critical right now. Love it, love it. Thoughts on that, Jim Ross, anything to add there? Yeah, and to add, I mean, when it comes to the traffic piece, I would say that there there are three main pillars that are important, especially with Facebook advertising, and and most of the traffic for this particular funnel is going through Facebook. Number one is targeting. Uh, for targeting, one of the secret sauce pieces that we use is third party data. This is data that in the United States comes from Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, as well as uh, Visa and MasterCard. So if it's a B2B style campaign or even for B2C, we can specifically target people who might be interested in the topic, not because they say they're interested on Facebook, but because they've actually made a purchase. For example, in for B2B, if they're a business owner in a specific industry who's actively purchasing this type of information, we can find that data and we can position ads specifically in front of those people. Right. So that's pillar number one. Number two, like Hernan touched on, I'm sure you'll go into it, is creatives. Um, the creative piece is really important. One of the things that we're doing is refreshing ad creatives every single day. Wow. Every day, not every week, but every day. Uh, I'm sorry, not every week, not every day. Uh, every sometimes week, okay. a, couple, a few times a week, a few times a day, or a few times a week, a couple times every couple of days or so. Gotcha. And then the third and final piece is the tracking piece, especially with iOS updates. We use a third-party tracking software that essentially overcomes the seven-day attribution window yeah. that Facebook has. Do you use Hyros? With some, we're using more AnyTrack. AnyTrack. AnyTrack is a different tool that we're using right now. One of the key differences between Hyros and AnyTrack is that AnyTrack uses click ID tracking and Hyros uses email ID tracking. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So if if a client will come with Hyros, we'll use it. But I think that the tracking part, it's, it's really important because... Usually on a book funnel, you might have somebody that might come in, you know, they might bounce, but but usually over the first seven days of seeing the offer, for the most part, they can buy, right? The thing happens when you're trying to have a backend process attached to that, right? So, you know, what happens with, especially on, on the B2B space, most transactions, most, most meaningful transactions happen after the seven day period. So Facebook goes 
completely blind, not to mention after that seven day period, not to mention all of the iOS, you know, tracking issues. So you could say, I don't know, 60% of the traffic that's running on the US right now, Facebook has no access to that. So historically, Facebook used to over report, right on the ads manager versus what we could see on the on the funnels. But now Facebook is heavily under reporting. So it needs a little bit of help. Mm. And the way we use third party tracking uh, software is not only to feed the actual amount of purchase, you know, people, you know, got an upsell, got an app, got a downsell, all of those things, but actually feed data 30, 60, 90 days after that happens right, when right. it is, you know, when your back end process starts kicking in. When the high ticket like, sale high takes ticket. place and that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what we do is we send that data back to the pixel so that we can see, okay, over 90 days, this campaign has a super high ROAS, yeah. even if it's, it might not be super profitable on the, on the front end, right. over 90 days, we're able to see that. So, so ROAS one client, is a return on ad spend for return on ad spend. anyone yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. And then, and, and, that, and that's the point I would say that where we can throw gas on the fire. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's when we can After start. After about scaling. 90 days of really tracking and looking and, and seeing what's working when it comes to the high ticket piece of it. Yes, yes, correct. In fact, for one client, we were able to, once we installed Hyros, they realized that most of their high ticket sales, they had an acquisition funnel with a book, and then they had programs in the back end from $5,000 all the way up to $50,000. And we realized that the way that we would scale, they were actually uh, spending anywhere between, I think they were spending thirty dollars to $50,000 a month on ads, on social media ads. And we were able to scale all the way up to $1.5 million a month on ad spend Whoa! because we were focusing on the back end. Whoa. And that was with a book funnel. That that was with a book funnel. That was with a book funnel. Oh, let's talk about that. Could we? Yeah. Okay. So was that B2B as well or was that B2C? It was kind of a hybrid offer because it was a business related offer, but it was positioned so that everyone could start their business. So it was a... The way I like to call it is like a every man's offer, right? So it's not specifically to a niche, but the way that we were able to scale gotcha, that much is gotcha. what's presented. I, I think I know which one it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, probably someone uh, with us in the uh, in Brunson's inner circle. But at any rate, I think I know it doesn't matter. But but tell me more right. about it because that's very exciting. We're talking about you know somebody that was really able to scale it in significant ways and 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 you know just using that book to massively grow their business so so yeah. tell me a little bit about the upsells and downsells tell me a little bit about uh, I guess you were losing money on the front end, but that's because yes. the, the the back end was so profitable and you were able to track all that. So like, give me some details. What was the cost of acquisition approximately? What was the yep. average, you know, like what were you losing per book sale, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. Great questions. So of course, at that scale, the only way that you can realistically scale to that amount of money per month. And we were talking about Facebook. They were also running another 1.5 million on YouTube. Wow. There was a lot of volume coming in, right? It was a lot of volume coming in. And they were re- they were they were ready to lose some money. And, and at that point we compare cost to acquire a customer on Facebook versus cost to acquire a customer on YouTube. YouTube was way higher, but it also translated a little bit better on a, a, a slight higher um lifetime value. Yeah. On um, YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah, that's but that's also like, typical. Yep. Yeah, but also like they were amassing, they wanted everyone in the yeah. funnel, like basically, yeah. right? They they didn't mind. So yeah, it was like the typical proverbial book funnel, which is it was a $5.60 PDF. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even free, free plus shipping. Upsell one, we tested like 
like crazy. Like at that point with so much data, we yeah. could test every day. We split tested like crazy. And uh, so at its peak, it was a uh, first upsell 97 bucks. It was an order bump for 30 something. First upsell 97, second upsell 297. So nothing out of the, or the, or the ordinary. They had a downsell for the first uh, upsell for $47. And then they had a downsell for the second upsell, which was three payments of 97, something like that. Four payments of 97. So proverbial, typical book funnel. Yeah. When yeah. we started, when we grabbed the campaign, the cost to acquire a customer, since we were like targeting really broad audiences, and this was only US. This was only US because they didn't have funding capabilities on other countries for their backend program. So we were only targeting US. Gotcha. Right? So this was only US. When we started the campaign, our cost to acquire a customer was around 60 bucks, you know, anywhere between 40 to 60 bucks. Their average order value was around $97, $9,200. That was their average order value. So they had a nice gap. As we started scaling, of course, they were losing money on the front end. At its peak, we were spending anywhere between $170 to $180 to acquire a customer. Wow. And we were able to squeeze as much juice out of that funnel so that it would give us around 110 to 120 average car value. So they were literally spending anywhere between $30 to $50 per buyer. They were floating on the front end. But the main point that we were using, we were using Hyros at that point. We were using Hyros to scale based on backend data. Yeah. So they knew that in 90 days, they would get a 6x ROI on their wow. ads wow. because of how their backend was working. So, you know, so, so at that point, the question was, okay, let's, let's scale as much as possible. They wanted everyone. Then what happens with, at that scale, what happens with, with, uh, with an offer that's that good is it has a shelf life. So at the same time, and then, you know, and then at that point, we parted ways because they started building an internal team, which makes a lot of sense at that volume, yeah. right, to, to have an internal team of people. Sure. But they were starting to experiencing not only creative fatigue, but, uh, but also offer fatigue. So what we're seeing is that every, you know, at scale, we're talking anywhere between three hundred to $600,000 a month on ads. Uh, the offer has a shelf life of anywhere between 12 to 18 months, give or take. Still right? not so bad. 18 months. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a pretty good bad, run, like, isn't it? Hey, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a great ride. So that was a great experience in terms of uh, split testing, in terms of, you know, and we were split testing everything, you know, yeah. follow-up sequences. They were getting, since they had a two-step border, uh, two-step, you know, an abandoned car sequence, they were getting anywhere between five to 7,000 abandoned cards per day. And then, and yeah, so it, it was insane. Crazy so it was numbers. a it was a lot of volume. It was. A lot Do you of remember the conversion rate on that sequence? On um, the email sequence? Yeah, the card abandoned. Uh, the card abandoned, when it, when it started, it was around 27 to 30%. Then it lowered to 15 or something, which would, would, would yeah. take it, you know, Still but really usually. Good. Abandoned. Yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, a card abandoned sequence should be working at, you know, in our experience, around 30%. So 30% of people that abandon the card should come back and, and buy through retargeting or emails. So I'd love to hear. Maybe not so much more about that because some of those numbers you, you say there's not many people that might be listening that can relate, including myself. Uh, you know, I mean, when you're talking about spending six hundred thousand dollars a month or a million bucks a month on advertising, it's like holy cow, that's that's quite a machine. Not to mention what it would take to deliver results, which meant there must have been you know a software. There's there's an element that uh, allows for the scalability of the delivery of the result. Um, talk to me a little bit more about what you're seeing 
you know, right now in your, are you, are you doing, um, this is a selfish question for me, but are you running any traffic for service type, you know, done for you service type uh, offers with a book funnel on the front end or, you know, I mean, typically, or some other high ticket could be a coaching offer or something like that. What talk me through those offers and what, what you're seeing working with those offers right now. Yeah, for sure. And that's why we need to have a conversation because we have an acquisition funnel. It's not a book funnel for our own, you know, agency. Yeah, so yeah. you can say we have that going. But this client that I was telling you earlier about, he's, you know, a good acquisition price because of the hook of the, right, of, right. Of the funnel, right? And the, the book. He's selling high ticket coaching on the back end. So okay. he has two main high ticket offers. One is a group coaching program for $3,000 a pop something like that. And then he also offers, well, now we're helping him develop a mastermind. So he has the three, you know, the three price point array. So he had $3,000. He has a five to $7,000 one-on-one coaching program. And then he's also developing a mastermind for anywhere between thirty to $35,000. Gotcha. So that's, that's yeah. still in the works. Yeah. But yeah. the process is basically all the same. It's like they have, they send people from the book funnel to a 20 to 40 minute presentation Okay. Where they once, show what they once can. they buy any upsell or downsell, then the last kind of thank you page is a presentation. It's a 20, 40 minute presentation. We can actually track who goes through that presentation or, or just bounces. If they bounce, we send them to register for that presentation and whatnot. And the reality is that the presentation is just pitching a phone call with their team. Yeah. So it's a it's a consultative approach, which yeah. is like, okay, talk to us to see how we can help you get better at this thing, right? right. And then they hop on the call with somebody and then that's that person, they, they go through an application process, they hop on the call with somebody. And then that person, depending on the, the conversation and their goals and, you know, and the application, they, they are able to offer from $3,000 from, yeah. you know, $5,000 all the way up to $35,000, which is basically the same approach. If you think about it, that, that was the same approach that we use or that the guys that were spending seven figures a month use with their sales team. It's like a really consultative approach, which is like, here's how we can help you depending on where you're at right now. So a done for you, like, you know, uh, uh, like let's build a book for you, right? Or let's write the book or done for you offer could work extremely well. Uh, We do recommend having three price points at that point. It's like, you know, here's a high level course, which can be sell for three to 5K. Here's a done with you program, which can be a coaching or one-on-one. And here's a done for you experience, right? Like in that, in that, and that's something that I learned from Frank Kern. It's like those the level of value that you can deliver on the back end. And, so. and all of those options are offered or delivered during the consultative call. You Correct. basically, you're asking questions, you're listening and, and making a decision. Hey, I think based on your budget and what you've said, this would be the best fit for you kind of thing. Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. correct. Yeah. And it, the sales process with those types of offers is usually a two-pronged approach where we have a setter who qualifies the customer yep. and then a closer to close the deal. Right. Right. Love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Jeremiah, <laughs> uh, other examples, anything to add there about that particular funnel or other examples of other book funnels that you're running that um, you know are leading either to high ticket service, high ticket coaching or something along those lines that you're seeing? One thing that might be interesting that um, we also wanted to bring up is when a book funnel doesn't work, mm. when the offer doesn't work. 
and uh, Arnon can provide more details, but um, we had a particular client where it's not that the offer didn't really work, is that it wasn't profitable. We weren't, it wasn't profitable on the front end and it wasn't profitable on the back end. Gotcha. So what would you say the main reason with that one funnel that I'm thinking about Arnon was the reason why it didn't work? I think it was the funnel, the book value proposition. I think it was that. I think it was that. I think that, you know, there's basically two things or basically we, di- we divide the whole book funnel or acquisition process in, into three main areas, right? Whenever we are going through a, a funnel that's not working, is the, uh, we like to ask ourselves, okay, is it the ad or is, are, are, the, are the ads that, that are not working? What's going on there? Is it the book funnel that's not working or is it the back end, right? Like okay. what's going on okay. So that kind of simplifies the whole thing. And we do have our own metrics. So one of the metrics that we used to decide was it the ads on that case was what is our, there's one metric that really decides if the ads are going to work or not, which is the unique outbound CTR or click-through rate. You know, it's a metric that you can add as a column on the Facebook ads manager. And that basically signals to you if people are interested in what you have to offer based on if they're clicking on the ad, if you show the ad, are they clicking on it? And what click so, rate are you look? What's the what's your standard that you're looking for there? Yeah, on Facebook, anything above one percent. Okay. So anything yeah. above one percent is good. Anything about two percent is yeah pretty good. Yeah. Everything yeah. about three percent is great. Then you, then so you, you know it's a, not the ad. It's not the offer correct. of the ad, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, because what happens when book funnels don't work, right? They're broken or they're, they're not profitable or they're not they're not there. Is that it's almost always sexier to go and tinker with the ads, right? Let's right. launch a new, right. let's rewrite the copy, let's do this thing instead of just rewriting the whole sales letter, yeah. right? Or, or positioning the, the, the whole thing again. So that's the hard part. Yeah, yeah. that's the hard part. So yeah. having a 1% unique outbound CTR lets you forget about the ads. Like don't touch the ads. Right. It's not about Right. It. It's not right. the problem. Yeah. It's not the problem. Then we want to take a look at the metrics of the funnel, right? We want to, we want to look at at least anywhere between, five to seven percent unique hits to book buyers you know sometimes ten percent depending on the niche then we want to make sure that that's being hit if that's not being hit then we need to reward the sales page right from unique clicks to book buyers want to have anywhere between uh, five to seven percent then the order bump right like the order bump needs to convert at 25 to 35 percent right yep. and the first oto needs to convert at 10 percent or seven percent so right. we have those right. metrics so we're t- we're ticking right right and then we know right. exactly what to work on uh, and then if people are, you know, at that point, if ROAS is there or, or, or average car value numbers are taking average car values, not there, we need to increase prices, right? And then we, we take a look at the back end. I think the main point is that the problem were not the ads. The ads were having at least 1% unique outbound CTR. So I told our media buyers, hey, let's keep the ads stable. And then we reworked the book a couple of times and, and the client knew that the book positioning and the hook was was not ticking right. for people, right? People yeah. were not understanding. So that made that, you know, people like it was costing us more than it was making us to, right. to acquire right. a book buyer. Before it, you before you finish, what what is your definition of the book positioning and the hook? Because that means one thing to me, but I, I want to make sure that we're defining I think the same title. The title. I love it. I love it. I love when I have a conversation and I'm I'm learning something and I'm thinking about something new. So I have a couple of questions for you, but but I want to let you finish your thoughts. So keep keep going with with where you're going, and then I want to come back to this. Yeah, for sure. So 
I think that was the main reason why the why the book funnel didn't work. It was because the title, of, the hook, the, the title, yeah. the hook. Yeah, like what's the value proposition of the book? Yeah. So what I think was the main issue is that the title, the hook, the value proposition was too generic. Mm. Right? It was yeah. too generic. Yes. So it wasn't hitting a pain point on the audience. So that's why we were we tried a bunch of different copy angles and different you know uh, landing page. Uh, designs and whatnot to to do that but it you know we didn't have it because people were not buying the book on its own you know like if we put it in a shell will people buy it that's yeah. the question yeah. so here's my question uh and i've never thought of this before what would stop you and i'm the publisher guy right so we've done 1200 books and and we love our books and we love our clients books and i mean the thing that we spend the most time on is is niching down for our client and developing a great hook but there are certainly occasions where, you know, people choose to go broad for one purpose. What would stop you or that individual or me from putting a whole new skin on the book, a whole new title, right? You know, basically a new cover, new title and testing that, that completely, I mean, cause you know, Published Pro Profits, a Wall Street Journal bestseller, it's a USA Today bestseller. But in one sense, I don't care. I mean, it sells every day as it is. Why couldn't I, you know, without changing, you know, the honesty of this is what the book is about. The book is about writing books, marketing books, making money with books. Why couldn't we just reskin, you know, or could they have just done that? And you're oh, yeah. nodding, so I'm assuming yes, but tell me. Ego. 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 Oh, man, one. ego is the killer. That's the number one reason. Yeah, it was their baby, you know, the book, like they have a whole brand built around this and whatnot. And I think that they built the brand and, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, Rob. It's like, okay, let's risk in this. Let's, you know, let's figure it out. It's really easy to test on Facebook. Like you don't have to, you don't have to spend a lot of money, right? Like no. you can send traffic yeah. to five different landing pages. You can even do lead generation ads if you want to test, an yeah. angle. you know, hook, see what, what the other results are. But yeah, it was, I would say it's that. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're going to do some business together. I'm really looking forward to it. This is kind of fun. So awesome. Yes. I mean, we've been going a long time. I don't want to monopolize your time. Anything else that you think would be would be valuable for those that are listening? And then, of course, I want you guys to give some links and, and connections and, uh, you know, uh, let people know how to best reach you. Yeah, for sure. So one last thing that I wanted to say, which I don't think we touched based on was like what what type of creatives are working on Facebook and like what do you what do you show people yeah and right now what we're seeing that are working really well uh, in terms of delivery of the ad in terms of what Facebook likes because if you do what Facebook likes then Facebook will reward you with lower cost to acquire a customer basically lower higher CTRs lower CPMs which is how much we're paying to advertise on Facebook so something that Facebook is really liking are Facebook and, and Instagram being social networks, you want the ads to be really social, right? So we're testing, when we test for clients, we test with uh, a slew of different ad styles, ad types and whatnot. And this keeps on winning, which are super short videos, one to two minutes long or recorded with your phone, selfie style like this, right? Where you're giving a quick tip or a little bit of value, right? To your audience based on what's in the book, right? So you can grab a chapter, you can talk a little bit about that. It has to be two minutes long so that you can both run it on Facebook and Instagram. And then you run that as an ad. And the call to action is simply, hey, if you like this, you want to learn more about this, go get the book, right? Those videos are getting the most amount of, of love right now from Facebook because, you know, because they're social people are on Facebook, not to buy anything, but they're right. scrolling around. They're right. seeing what, what's, what's up with their families and whatnot. So those, those type of videos, selfie style, 
Do not go crazy with editing. Do not go crazy with lightning. Just, you know, pull out your phone, record five of those and run those to your ideal audience and just tell them to get the book if they want to learn more. So Love keeping it. it super simple. And, and besides that, but that, besides the direct call to action with those videos too, the one of the main things that it does for us too is build an engagement audience. To um, retarget back to. We use right. that a lot for remarketing. Love it. Yeah. Guys, I, I mean, I know for many people listening, you know, we went into some really deep waters, but what you guys shared was like gold, gold today. So thank you. You guys are, are true experts at your craft. It's an honor to have you on today. Where can people reach you guys? Where can they learn more about uh, scale-driven uh, marketing and, and, uh, and your work? Mm-hmm, for sure. So, so if you go to scaledriven.com, there's a little bit of a message there. You know, people can check it out. We have a couple of case studies. Uh, we've been focusing on on social media ads, Facebook, Instagram for the past six, seven years. And, and you know, running traffic to book funnels is one of our favorite things ever to do. So if that's something that 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 resonates with you, you can head over to scaledriven.com. And we also have our the framework that we use to write and put together really good ads that, you know, those are the ads that we use to generate a lot of results for, you know, for, for guys like Frank and Grant and whatnot. And if you go to scaledriven.com slash framework, uh, because we put together a framework, we put together a formula, how we are putting together those ads. Uh, so if you go to scaledriven.com slash framework, you will be able to see a message there and, you know, and, and you can get access to the, to the way we write ads for our clients uh, to get them the results that we're getting. So love yeah. it. Love it. Anything to add there, Jeremiah? Uh, no, that's all I got. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Arnon doesn't use LinkedIn that much. So if anybody wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn, they're more than welcome to. Love it. Love it. One last link. I went uh, through your acquisition funnel and bought a bunch of your stuff, which was really good. And of course, I recorded it all. Um, but I don't remember what that link was. Let's give that link as well, because if somebody wants to to go through and and see like this stuff in living action, uh, mm-hmm. you, you guys have a beautiful funnel. So what's the link for that? Yeah, for sure. It's scaledriven.com slash framework. That's the one oh, that that's you want. Oh, okay. yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got it. Love it. Love it. Ernan, Jeremiah, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your generosity and sharing. Um, super, super glad to have you on the podcast and excited to uh, have you guys as a, a cool case study and, and example uh, in the book as well. So thank you again. Thank you, awesome. Rob. Hey, thanks for listening in on the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and like and subscribe to the podcast because every week I bring you either great guests or great teaching to help you to grow your income and your impact with a best-selling book. And if you're interested in having your own best-selling book, check out my short video which explains our trademark process at beginmybook.com.